Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. If you have your Bibles, open them to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I want to begin reading in 1 John chapter 1. I want to begin reading in verse 5, not 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. A group of people joined a health club after the first of the year, and they were meeting with the dietitian. In that classroom, the dietitian asked each of the members to describe their daily routine. Well, all of them in there were overweight. One of them immediately said, I admit that I don't eat right, that I don't exercise right, and all the others joined in together in agreement. Well, the third, the last person was seriously overweight, and he said, I eat healthy food every day, I eat moderately, I exercise frequently. The dietitian looked at him and said, are you sure you don't have something else to tell us? And he said, yeah. I also lie extensively. (laughs) The Gnostic people were confusing the Christians. John is the last living apostle, having seen Jesus Christ. He's speaking to second and third generation Christians. And the Gnostic belief had several points of heresy in it. First, that Jesus had not become human. Because all matter is evil, he could not have become human. The second was that they no longer sinned. They had achieved a place in their life where they were totally sanctified and they no longer had sin in their life. They also were teaching that there was a group of elite people. You had to have special knowledge, go through all these initiations and, and processes to get to the place where you have fellowship with God and nobody else does. They also said that because the body is evil, it's matter, all matter is evil, you can live like you want, only thing that's good is the spiritual part of you. Well, John comes out swinging, and I told you last week in the first four verses that he comes out and said, I am declaring to you that which I have seen, Jesus Christ. I have put my hands on him. I have touched him. He is real. He was human. I have heard him. And then John comes out and begins to refute some of these heresies. How do you picture God? You were just singing the song, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
Isaiah, when he saw God, said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And John begins laying the foundation for the Christian truth that's going to be through this letter by declaring the holiness of God. In fact, let's look at what he says. First, you see the foundation of holiness. The light declared is what I call it. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now that first phrase in verse 5, this is the message. The word message, John chose that word carefully because this is the only place other than chapter 3, verse 11, that this word is used in the New Testament. The word angelia. It's the same root word from which John used the, word, the verb declare in verses 1 through 4. I declare, this is something that's important, and the word is actually sometimes translated exists. There exists this message. In other words, it has a timeless truth. I heard it with my own ears from Jesus Christ. This message is not made up by man. Nobody, nobody thought this up on their own. There is a message from God, and John says, and that message is this, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now, when we think of God's love, that's not hard for us to conceive because we think of the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that loves mankind. When we think of God being spirit, meaning that God is immaterial in form, John 4, 24, we worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit. We worship him in spirit and truth. We understand that. But when it comes to God is light, it's a little more complex. Now, throughout the scripture, God and his glory are often described in terms of light. For example, when Moses was given the instructions for the tabernacle in the wilderness, when they left Egypt, he gave explicit instructions for Moses to build the tabernacle. And but before, even before that, when they left Egypt, listen to what Exodus 13, 21 says, the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light. When Moses came down off of Mount Sinai, his face reflected or glowed with a reflection of God's glory. In Psalm 104, the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. At the transfiguration, when Peter, James, and John were with Jesus upon the mountain, and Jesus gave them a glimpse of his glory, the scripture says that he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. Now, light is used different ways in the scripture. First of all, physically, light equals glory. I was mentioning Moses building the tabernacle. And when God gave him the instructions to build the tabernacle, all the furniture and everything in it, when it came to the Holy of Holies, there was no light in it. 
In fact, the scripture says, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God put a veil in front of the Holy of Holies because when his glory filled the place, if you and I, a sinful man or any sinful man or mankind, period, stepped into that glory, he would have died. He couldn't handle it. So God put a curtain in front of the Holy of Holies, and it was dark until the glory of God filled it. The same was true with the temple that Solomon built. The Holy of Holies was dark. God would come down, his Shekinah glory would fill the temple, and the priest came out of the holy place because he could not stand in front of the glory of the, the purity of God. John's gospel also stated that we, our world was in darkness and God revealed himself to us. And John says, all things were made by him and without him nothing was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And when you think about Jesus coming to the earth, how many times do you see light? The glory of the Lord shone around about them. They were so afraid and even God put a star in the sky to show where Jesus was born. Light also, intellectually, equals truth. In the Bible, we're told that light is a picture of God and the truth. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light. Psalm 104.2, the Lord wraps himself in light. John 8.12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. They make it clear that God is the ultimate source of truth, understanding, and righteousness. He guides us. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Do you have any night lights at home? Why? Why do you have night lights? Are you, are you like me? I, I have a tendency to get up in the middle of the night and explore. And there's some things I don't want to discover in the dark. So that nightlight keeps my feet from discovering things that are in the dark. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then you speak in tongues. Just a little bit of light guides your path. And when people follow the ways of the Lord, it guides their life to keep them from making accidents and keep them from going down the wrong path of life. John even wrote in the gospel, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. When we walk in darkness, we're walking in falsehood. We're walking in misunderstandings. We're walking in sin. This passage teaches us that if we remain in darkness, it's because we don't want to walk out in the light to be seen. There's another sense in which light is used. It's morally. Light equals purity. There is no darkness at all. This refers to the holiness of God. A lot of people don't want to talk about the holiness of God. 
We'd much rather talk about love, mercy, and grace. And I'm all for that. But did you know if you don't start with a holy God, none of this other makes sense? Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a book entitled Fellowship with God, and he, he said we always start with God. Now, we have a tendency, our main problem is self-centeredness. When people come to Christianity, they come looking for their needs to be met. I want to be happy. I'm not happy. Can God make me happy? I'm looking for something I don't have. Can God give me that? How can Christianity help me with my problems and my needs? But to approach the Christian faith in that manner is to cater to us. Well, folks, it's not about us. He said the way to be delivered from self-centeredness is to stand in the presence of God. Because then all of a sudden you take the emphasis off of you and you put it on a holy God. Now he said church growth people have bought into this and they have gone to the religious consumer, so to speak, and said, what kind of church do you want to have? Or what will make you come back to church? And so people respond. We want a church that's happy, upbeat. We don't want to hear about sin or a holy God who threatens sinners with his wrath. We'd rather focus on having happy families or how to be successful in reaching our potential, how to, make, how to recover from divorce or drug addiction or sexual addictions. We don't want sermons that make us uncomfortable. In fact, we don't even want preaching just Share with us. Tell stories. Don't bring up controversial issues. Make it positive. So the church marketers go back to the drawing board and redesign the church to meet the felt needs of the consumer. And they can grow a church. But how many of them really meet God? Church marketers will say, but, but God is holy, doesn't sell. You need to sell God's love and you need to sell God's grace and you, it's more inviting. But folks, I want to tell you something. If you don't start with a holy God, salvation makes no sense. And if, you, if God is only love, then the cross is unnecessary. Light, describing God with light. Think of it in different ways. It, light reveals something. <laughs> when you're in the darkness, you're hidden, but when the light comes on, it reveals everything. Well, God sees us as we really are. Man is lost in his blindness. Jesus came into the, as a light into the world to show us our sin and separation from a holy God. Light cannot be contaminated. You can't make light dirty. It's pure. Light also comforts. In the middle of the night when a child is afraid, you turn on the light to bring them comfort. John states in the book of Revelation that God's glory is going to eliminate, eliminate illuminate, not eliminate, illuminate, light up heaven. And isn't it interesting 
when you hear of these accounts of people who've had death experiences, they're drawn to what? To light. So John begins with God. He said, if you're going to have fellowship with God, you better understand who he is. That he is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, John sees the holiness of God and then he mentions the fabrication of holiness. These people who claimed to be Holy. In fact, you'll see in verse 6, if we say, verse 8, if we say, verse 10, if we say, he proceeds to refute the claims of these people who said, well, it doesn't matter how you live, and, and we're the only ones that can have a relationship with God, and so forth. Listen, he says several things. First, there's profession. If we say, if we say, if we say. Folks, righteousness is more than talk. You can claim to know the Lord, but your life is going to bear it out. The word walk in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with God, him, and walk, present tense means habitually. If you sin habitually, if you act like it doesn't matter and your life is characterized by sin. He said if you sin and you walk in darkness, you're lying. You're not practicing the truth. We still struggle with sin, don't we? We're always looking for the loopholes. We're sort of like the, the dean who was talking to the new freshman coming into a freshman year, and he was given the rules, and he said, the men's dormitory is completely off limits to the females' dorm, and the, and the female dorm is completely off limits to the males. And he said, anyone violating this, the first offense is $20. The second offense is $60. The third offense is $180. It just keeps tripling. One student in the back said, how much is a season pass? <laughs> well, that's pretty typical, isn't it? That's how we live. Well, belief, just belief and profession does not substitute for righteousness in your life. You can say all you want about what you believe in Jesus, but if your life doesn't bear it out, something's wrong. Now, you're not perfect. We'll see that in a minute. But there ought to be something different in the way you live. Amen? The second thing is practice. Just because you say you don't have any sin doesn't eliminate it. The claim to be without sin, they, they, John says in verse Eight, if we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Today, we're, we've got people that say, you know, I'm okay and you're okay. Sometimes that's true because Jesus makes us okay. But, but now... People say, well, you know, your, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and we're all okay. And, and so Freudian psychology teaches that there's no objective place to have truth. I mean, you, there's no ob objective truth, so there's no sin. What's okay for you may not be okay for me. What's okay for me may not be okay for you. The Gnostics were saying stuff like, well, it doesn't matter how you live. 
And John said, you're deceived. You don't know what you're talking about. The seriousness of the matter emerges in the fact that if a person believes himself not to sin, then there's no reason for confession and cleansing. We don't need a Savior. You see, when you start with the holiness of God and you see his standard of righteousness, then you realize we don't even come close. Just because you deny something, well, it's not sin anymore. Why do you think people attack the Scripture so much? Because if you can, you can dissolve or, or dilute the absolute truth of Scripture, then you can live like you want. And so they attack God's Word. But just because you say it's not sin doesn't mean it's not sin. If God said it, that settles it, regardless of what you say. The third thing is pretentiousness. Verse 10, if we say we've not sinned, you're calling God a liar. It's your word against God's. In fact, if we say we have never sinned, Eris tense at a point in time by making that ridiculous assertion is blasphemy. It says you're, you're specifically denying what God said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and you're specifically, implicitly denying the need for a Savior. We were born in sin. We were born of a sinful nature. You didn't have to be taught to do wrong, did you? No, you didn't. It's always amusing when kids hear certain things, what they're thinking. One, one couple was talking about how we were born into sin, and one little girl said, I wasn't born into sin. I was born in November. <laughs> well, if you were born in November, you're still born into sin. But now let's move on to what John says. What is the real fellowship of holiness, the life dedicated it's not enough to say you're in the light. You need to walk in the light. To walk in the light is to live openly before God. To walk in the light is to walk as he himself is in the light, verse 7 says. Or Peter said in 1 Peter 1.15, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Or Jesus said in John 3, 21, but he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. It's, it's one thing to say you walk in the light, to say you know Jesus. But if you do, you're going to walk in the light. What does that mean, to walk in the light? It does not mean to walk sinless because you wouldn't need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from all sin if you were sinless. And some people think, well, to walk in the light, you've got to do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this. So we make our list of do's and don'ts. To walk in the light means to come out of darkness into the light of God's righteousness and say, you know what? All I can see is my sin, but Jesus died for my sin. He has forgiven me. You have forgiven me. And so, God, I'm going to walk in honesty before you. I'm not going to try to hide anything. You know what? You've, all of us have got our secret sins. We've got our sins that we hide. As long as I don't open my coat, he won't see it. 
Well, that's ridiculous. God sees everything. So it means to be honest with God and say, I'm going to walk in you. I realize who I am in you. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. You already know everything about me. You knew all about me before you ever saved me. So I'm going to walk in honesty before you. I'm not going to hide anything anymore, God. I want to walk in the freedom of your grace and mercy and forgiveness. Jesus said, when you know the truth, it sets you free. So the fellowship of walk of holiness, of walking in the light, also brings with it some very wonderful observable attributes. Notice you're going to have camaraderie with believers. It says in verse 7, we walk in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with God and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All right, I got a question. I'm I'm just about done. I know y'all can tell y'all need me to be done. I can tell you need me to be done. So I'm going to be done. Why do you like the people in this room? I mean, let's, let's face it. The folks in this room are weird. We're all weird. We're all weird in our own way, aren't we? We are. Some of you don't think I'm weird. I think some of you are weird. Some of you don't agree with me politically. Some of you don't like the food I like. Some of you don't like to sit where I would like to sit. So why do we like each other? I mean, why'd you come? You don't even know everybody in this room. I'll tell you why. Because there's one thing that we have in common. We've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you better start liking me because you're going to spend eternity with me. (laughs) I'm going to spend eternity with you. A couple of years ago when we had to shut down for several weeks, it was miserable. We're not doing that again, ever. We're going to have something here. Now, ice, snow, that's a little different, but just because we're afraid to do something, no, we're not doing that anymore. We let people just protect themselves however they want. But here's the deal. I remember after we shut down six weeks, we opened the doors back up and people walked in. I couldn't speak for the tears in my eyes. Believe it or not, as weird as you are, I like being with you. (laughs) The fellowship of believers, the camaraderie of believers. Isn't it interesting that people who are not walking in the light, that is the fellowship with God, they don't want to be with God's people. In fact, they start blaming God's people. It's them. It's the reason I'm the way I am. or I'm not going because it's full of hypocrites. Yeah, this place is crawling with them. Just saved and forgiven. But when people get out of fellowship with God and they know they're in rebellion and they know they're living in habitual sin, they don't want to be with God's people. One of the benefits of walking in the light is you have fellowship with other sinners who have been saved by the same grace and mercy that you have. We also have the cleansing by the blood Present tense in verse 
7. He keeps on cleansing us. What's the difference in cleansing and forgiveness? Forgiveness speaks of the being in bondage away or being separated from God and, and we are made right. It's justified with him. Cleansing speaks of the defilement sin was in our life and it's been cleansed and washed away. But he said when, when we walk in the light, we have the continual cleansing of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you, when you gave your life to Christ, right then God forgave you of all your sin for, for all eternity. And he, he immersed you with the, the righteousness of Jesus and has given you a new life. And the fact that you have been cleansed by the blood, God keeps on cleansing every sin. Even when we've sinned now, he keeps on cleansing us because Jesus paid it all. God keeps his promise, which leads to the confession of sin. The confession of sin, the Greek word for confession comes from two words, Latin words, homo, which means the same kind, lego, which means to say. And so when we confess our sins, we're saying to God the same thing about our sin that God would say about our sin. We don't candy coat it. We don't excuse it. We're agreeing with God that our sin is serious. And God still looks at sin as serious because God is a holy God. He hasn't changed his mind about it. Confession should be specific. Father, I confess my sin. I lost my temper. And don't try to confess somebody else's sin. Well, I lost my temper, God, because they said this to me. And I'd I'd a lot rather confess your sins than mine because I see your sin. I don't see mine. I'm I'm teasing you, but the fact is you confess your sin before God. And, And confession needs to be specific. And then it says he is faithful. And just, faithful with respect to his promise, he forgave you when you committed your life to him, and he's still faithful. He was just. What do you mean? A holy God, sin had to be paid for. You want justice? Sin had to be paid for. And Jesus came, lived a sinless life, and paid for it. And the just requirements of sin have been met, and God is still just. You know why he still forgives you? He's still, he, because he's faithful, and he is perfectly just because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And then in verse 10, it says, if we, excuse me, verse 9, we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. Aorist tense, cancel the debt. The restoration of the debtor to cleanse refers to the forgiven sinner holy so that he's able to have fellowship with God. There again, forgiveness and cleansing overlap. Forgiveness relates to the guilt that's been pardoned. Cleansing points to the defilement of sin that's been removed. And the forgiven person no longer has to fear God's judgment. We don't have to be afraid 
We're not going to face God's judgment. Now the word confess is in present tense. And the forgive and cleanse is in aorist tense, which means it happened in the past, but he's still going to keep what he's done. He's not ever not going to forgive you. Doesn't give us a license to sin. See, this verse creates a problem from this standpoint. Okay, if I committed my life to Christ back when I was 12 years old, and he forgave me of my sin to save me, then why do I have to keep confessing sin in order for him to forgive me and to cleanse me? Well, some would say, well, it, it, it's the fellowship with God, and, and that's, that's true, but God's faithfulness relates to the promise in the new covenant through Jesus Christ. His righteousness relates to the strict demand of the penalty, and it says if, if we confess our sins Plural. Notice it's plural. He's still faithful. It's aorist tense. He's faithful then. He's still faithful. He's still just. He's still forgiving you. This leads to security of the believer. I don't know about you. I still struggle with sin. The older I get, I still got it. It's a disease I can't get rid of. There's all kinds of variants to it. And there's no vaccine for it <laughs> except forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And one day when we go to heaven, that's when the vaccine will work. In the 18th century, I close with this illustration. In the 18th century, the abbot in a monastery was disciplining two monks who had violated the rules. True story. And he imposed on them the rule of silence. They could not talk to one another. Well, they tried to figure out a way to fill the long hours of the monastery. So finally, one of them gathered 28 flat stones from the courtyard. Putting different numbers on them, he devised a new game. And by using gestures, the men agreed on certain rules. Remember, they couldn't talk to one another. But the most difficult part of the game was keeping silent when one of them won. They remembered they were permitted to say out loud the prayer, Dixit Dominus Domino Meo. And by using one word of this Latin expression, Domino, the monks gave the impression that word means Lord. And by using that word when they won, they would yell out, Domino. Well, the monks gave the impression they were praying, but they were actually playing. Thus, the game of dominoes was born. It's real easy for us to put a religious veneer on our life. But John basically is saying, don't be playing spiritual dominoes. You need to be real. Authentic Christianity is shown in your life. You're not walking like a robot. You can't be perfect. Because if you were, you wouldn't need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from all sin.
but to walk openly and honestly and in honesty with God to say, God, this is who I am. I know I'm struggling. I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling, and this is sin, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit will show you. I need to call it what it is, take it seriously, and walk in the light of God's love and God's fellowship and let it be seen by others. We've compartmentalized Christianity into a set of rules and regulations, and Jesus kept saying, That's not freedom. You have freedom to be who you are in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be what somebody else wants you to be. Just be honest about your sin with God. If you don't know Jesus, it makes no sense. You start with the holiness of God. And when you stand before you think of the holiness of God, all you can see is the sin and you realize, I, I don't have a chance. And God said, I know that. And that's why I'm coming to you. And he became to us. Holy, righteous God entered his own creation to save us. And if you don't know Jesus, You've got no hope, but you can know him today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray for those who right now need to give their life, commit their life to Christ. When they realize that you are holy and righteous and one day the wrath is going to come on all unrighteousness, that they, their only hope is through the mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. And Lord, what a beautiful fellowship we enjoy with you and with other believers. And we stand forgiven. We stand cleansed. We stand righteous before you. I pray for those that don't know Jesus. Oh, they've tried religion. They've tried other things. I pray, God, that you'll bring them to you. I pray for those that need a church. And Lord, if this is the place you bring them, if it's not, then you send them. But I pray you'll get past all the excuses that people use to not have fellowship with believers. I pray for those that need to be baptized. The first simple act of obedience after a commitment to you is to profess you publicly. I pray people would be saved first but then not be afraid to be baptized. There may be others, Lord, who are struggling with areas of sin. Would you show us our sin We're going to agree with you. We're going to confess it to you. Thanking you for the forgiveness. While your heads are bowed, would you quietly stand to your feet? Give give me a couple of minutes and we're done. There are pastors at the front to pray with you, to help you 
with a commitment to know Jesus or any other commitment that's on your heart today, or maybe you just need someone to pray with you right now, would you come while we wait? And if you're watching us online, if you will hit that raise your hand or connect button, somebody will help you right now. If you don't know Jesus, let me tell you, you can't have fellowship with God until you know him. He is the mediator. Maybe there's something else on your heart that you would like one of these men to pray with you about, then you come as the Holy Spirit prompts you to come. One more verse. If you're coming, you come on right now. Otherwise, I'm going to assume you're not and we're going to stop. So come right now. Thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt a heart of stone. Because Jesus paid it The invitation from God is always open. It's his invitation. If you wanted to come and you didn't, it's okay. We've got men here that'll be hanging around for a couple of minutes and be glad to visit with you. Or you can use the communication card in the seat pocket and fill it out and drop it in the box. Or you can use the QR code to fill it out on your smartphone and let us know. We will call you. We want to help you. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know him. A couple of quick announcements. Out in the welcome area, there's some little forms like this, but this is also in your bulletin. The Texas Tech Baptist Student Ministries ministers to so many international students every semester. These are kids, well, they're not kids, young people, young adults, that have come from all around the world. It's like the nations come to us. We feed, South Chris feeds that group on Thursday. Last week, about 150. We fund that through the BSM. Those people coming from other countries don't have anything. They get here and they go to school. They may be in an apartment that literally has nothing in it. They sleep on the floor. They eat off of the floor. When they sit down and eat on the floor, they sit on the floor and study. And so the BSM has started gathering furniture to help. This is all they need. Everything they need is listed in the bulletin. A couch or a love sheet. No sleeper sofas. They're too heavy. Try to lift that thing up three flights of apartment stairs and you'll say bad things. <laughs> Desks or office chairs or dining tables or chairs. TV trays. Living room chairs. Or a mattress. The mattress needs to be clean and in good condition. Don't go pull it out of the garage that the dog's been sleeping on it. If you will call them or email them, the, I know the phone number's in the bulletin there under that announcement. You call Cindy 
and they will arrange to come get it. Um, and you make an appointment for them to come get it. Folks, I, I just believe we've got stuff at home that we, we don't need, and we could help these students. One girl said she, they got, a, got her a love seat or a couch. They brought it in. She said, now I have a place to eat. I can sit here and eat. I can sit here and study, and I don't have to sleep on the floor. You know, I felt guilty of all the stuff I have. I've got more chairs than I could sit in in a week. And so if you have something you want to donate, pick this up or use the bulletin. The other thing is, when we were doing the book series, the 66 books of the Bible, those, I don't know if you've noticed that string art out on the wall that finally made a cross. There were 66 nails around it that formed in the middle, and every week when we would do it, it finally formed a cross. It's out there. It says the book under it, and it's a beautiful piece of art. We have two of those, one here and one over in front of the venue. We're going to auction those off, and the money that is made off of them is going to go to the building fund. We thought somebody might like to purchase them. If you want to, we'll bid on it and purchase it. If you, if you give us a million dollars a day, I'll give you both of them. But whatever, if somebody's interested in it, you can bid on it. And whoever wins the bid, I want you to know the money's going to go right back into helping pay for the building, the greater fund. So I wanted you to know that. If you are our guest, I'd like to meet you out the door to the right, hospitality room on the right. I'll be in there and would love to meet you. I even have something I'll give you uh, just for being our guest today. Thank you for being here. Remember, you're a believer in Jesus. You walk in the light. Honest with God, not afraid. Let your light so shine before men that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.